You're listening to the unofficial Shopify podcast. This podcast is brought to you by WebsiteRescues.com. Are you making the most of your store? To download a totally free guide with 25 conversion rate optimization ideas you must know about to effectively optimize your Shopify store, head to WebsiteRescues.com and fill out the form. Shave off hours of guesswork and start growing your revenue. Welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. It's me, your host, Kurt Elster. And joining me today is Liston Witherell, and I'm really happy to be here. Liston Witherell, that's kind of a, that's straight up a badass name. Uh, you know, I've always thought it was really waspy. I'm the fourth <laughs> waspy. in a long, yeah, waspy, like a white American or white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Protestant. Yeah. Um, I'm the fourth in line, so I can't claim any originality to the name, but uh, it does raise some eyebrows when I say it. So you run a good funnel at uh, goodfunnel.co, and what does good funnel do? So at good funnel, we focus on conversion rate optimization, which is a fancy way of saying we help people sell more stuff through their website. Um, and what we're really focused on is messaging and positioning, and making sure that uh, anybody who visits a site gets the information that they need in the way that they need to hear it. And it's it. It's obvious to me that that's what you're great at because looking at your website is like most consultants' websites are kind of shitty. Um, no offense, it takes time. My first consulting website was shitty too. And this one is phenomenal. Like it really hits all the buttons and numbers. I know you said you want to redo it and make it better, um, but it, I mean, it's great as is. It's worth a look. It really does. I think it does everything right. It's a long sales letter. It's got, um, you know, a good lead and a positioning statement and then these great trust badges like with brands I'd recognize, um, and then testimonials right on there with pictures. It's great. I love it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So what? Um, how do you do what you do? So what I do first and foremost is really uh, geared around answering one question, which is how do people make decisions? Um, that's okay. kind of what's driven me. I've taken a lot of different uh, directions in my career path, but... I love, love, love internet marketing so much because we can pose a hypothesis around our business or what a product that we're selling or a new angle to sell it or a new audience to sell to. And we can go out and collect real data about what people think about that. And so that's fascinating to me. So where I always start is with a hypothesis and getting to know a business um, and understanding how they make their money, who they're selling to, why would they buy. Um, and usually that will involve some primary research, which is, which is a geeky way of saying I like to talk to real people. So that's kind of one of our differentiators at Good Funnel is that we actually talk to real people. And in particular, um, our clients' customers, people who have bought from them to get a sense of what were they thinking at the time they bought? How did they reach the conclusion to buy from our client rather than one of their competitors, which is a really big question we all need to answer and be able to give people a clear choice. Um, and then from there, we kind of figure out what are those most important messages that we could be reaching people with, and then we test it. Um, so recently, there have been a couple uh, companies we've done really focused landing page tests with. Um, and in some cases, we may say, let's not worry about the long-term sale of your product. Let's worry about converting more people into paying customers and then give them the long-term story later, right? Because we're diluting the message by talking long-term. In other cases, we may say, you know, your message for converting people right off the bat is all wrong. Let's try something else. 
Um, and so the nice thing about um, websites and landing pages and email sequences is that they're really easy to test. So we'll get a sense of um, which message is working and why. Um, and then we will go back and iterate again and see if we can't uh, improve that conversion rate a second or third, fourth time. I love this idea. I love the concept um, because what I've discovered, you know, for our own business, for clients' businesses, is until you've asked people, until you've really talked to people, everything you think you know about your customer is probably a guess. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> Even, and you know, kind of the sweet spot at Good Funnel is for us to work with companies that have some sort of product market fit, um, which means that their revenue is okay and they have you know, a decent amount of employees oftentimes, and they've been in business for a while, but that doesn't mean that they've exactly nailed the message. And it doesn't mean that they've exactly nailed what the customer thinks. There's internal inertia at any company that kind of drives you to think in a certain way and have a certain mindset. Um, And maybe that was right a few years ago, but over time it changes. um, And over time we develop myths about our business and about our customers um, that can only be resolved by actually talking to people. Yeah, so a uh, great example, a client we work with a lot called um, Everest Bands, and they sell watch band, replacement watch bands for Rolex. And so we've been working with them like really since after their first Kickstarter at the beginning, when they started with like a lowly 5000 a month in revenue, you know, and since then we've 10x that working with them. And one of the most powerful, like there's all kinds of little iterations that happen in there, but one of the clear, powerful changes um, we made was surveying past customers. We took everyone that was on the newsletter, everyone who'd bought, and we sent them an eight-question survey. And we discovered that we were wrong about the kind of person who was buying, and we were wrong about why they were buying. So all we did, we changed the positioning and some of the images and a little bit, the product descriptions a bit, we tweaked them. And we use the same, you know, the reasoning um, that we got from the customers' mouths. And even in some cases, like straight up copied and pasted phrases that customers were using. Um, and that that was one of the biggest wins, one of the biggest gains for us working with them. Yeah, and what you just said about copying and pasting what customers say is uh, one of the most important things you can do in your copy. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're totally an expert, Kurt, in <laughs> copywriting. I commend you on that because most people don't. You know, I just got lucky once and I was like, oh my God, this is powerful. Right. Well, and you know what the reason is, is because the way a customer describes their experience or why they bought or maybe an objection that they had to buying um, is going to use language that we would never think of if we're not a customer and didn't stumble upon this idea accidentally. Yeah, we're to too close business. to it. Absolutely. Uh, and so, you know, that's another thing that we're big advocates for is to um, take some of that primary data. What did people actually say and take some of those powerful phrases? I'll give you an example. Uh, one of my clients is a tech business in the medical industry and they make a scanning software that allows medical offices to scan in all their old paperwork. So. Okay. You could imagine that. Well, and then, uh, yeah, this is a hugely lucrative industry because of um, new laws under the Affordable Health Care Act that really you have to move everything in, like everything has to be paperless and they've got, you know, very strict um, guidelines for handling this stuff. Exactly. And of course, it's a pain in the ass to go through a filing cabinet to pull out files when you've had thousands or tens of thousands of patients over the years. And so what a lot of companies would do is, 
either move their records off site or they'd put them in a room that they had to pay real estate costs for to house all these records. And so I was talking to one of the nurses and I said, what was the biggest difference for you after getting the scanning software and not having to file paperwork or retrieve paperwork? And she goes, you know, before every time I had to find a file, it felt like I was going to rip my rotator cuff when I opened a filing cabinet. <laughs> I was like, that's perfect. That's going on the landing page. You know, that's, you know, yeah, I didn't in, have the experience in no of world. Opening. Would you have possibly thought of that on your own? And if you thought of it on your own, you'd say it, you'd talk yourself out of it. You'd be like, that's corny, it doesn't work. But when a real customer says, here's the literal pain that you solved, like that's the thing that makes people buy. That's exactly right. Yeah, there would have to be uh, lots of alternate universes before I could figure that one out. So that was a good thing to stumble on through talking to someone. Hmm. Hmm. So in, um, you know, in, in talking about copywriting so we've we've stumbled on like learn your customers learn the language they use use that language straight up copy and paste it why not um and develop your positioning um and your product um your objection busting around that um how should people go about that doing those so the way i tackle it you know is we send a survey to a list um and it works quite well people who enjoy the product or hate the product on both sides are eager to tell you about it um how do you tackle it yeah, so there's a couple ways to go about it, but by far the most powerful research method is just to email people who fit what I call your ideal customer profile. So if you could, in the abstract, sit down and pick who your perfect customer is, you probably have a few that match up most closely to that profile. Um, and so I just email them and say, hey, I'm looking to improve my company, improve my branding, improve my marketing. Um, and I need to talk to people who have really, really specific knowledge about this product like you, and I'm looking for your help. Would you talk to me for 30 or 45 minutes? Uh, and then I ask them questions that really kind of go through the before, during, after phases of their buying experience. So what was it like before? Uh, and then, you know, before we get into things like buyer's journey. So how did you first recognize you had a problem? Um, after you recognized you had a problem, what did you do to look for a solution? Were you aware that there was a solution? How long did it take for you to figure that out? Uh, how did you evaluate the different solutions? Uh, and then during, you know, I mean, there's other things there like objections and competition right. and different ways to kind of differentiate and uh, anticipate things that will come up in the sales cycle. But then during, what is your experience actually using the product? Um, and, uh, you know, one of the most important questions I always ask is if you were to refer this product to a friend, what would you say? And the reason I ask that is because it gives me a sense of what the most important attributes are of the, the company or the product in comparison to everything else that's out there. Okay. Uh, and so that's a really, really important one. Um, and then I'll line it all up and kind of translate it into actual copy that will go on a website, right. on my website, on your website, on Everspan's website, who's ever. Yeah. So I think the, I like that question a lot. Um, my favorite question we've discovered is who would you recommend this to? And what essentially they're going to describe to you is how they see your target customer. Yeah, that's a good one. And what have you done with that information? Well, actually, so we'll do the Everspans example. We assume that it was like, um, you know, that it, it was just like watch collector or rich guy. 
essentially was was our it's like you own an exotic car dealership buy these crazy straps um that was how we pictured it and when we asked people it essentially came down to um two things were going on they said you know i'd I'd recommend it to my active lifestyle friends they didn't care like they didn't they just owned an expensive watch they owned a rolex but they didn't really associate with it they associated themselves with the fact that they had active lifestyles and they were buying this replacement strap because they wanted a good alternative to the Rolex band, which is all metal, and they didn't want to scratch it up. So, like, I go golfing. I want to wear my Rolex golfing. I'm concerned about scratching up the bracelet, so I need to replace it, and it was, like, with these rubber straps. Or I actually take my diving watch diving, so I use this rubber strap, and then I don't have to worry about beating it up. Um, so when we re- reshot a lot of photos um, to represent active lifestyle... Like, I went out, got on my bike, put on the watch, and took a photo of it, and, like, threw the watch in a puddle um, while it was raining. We got lucky, took photos of that. And when we did that, sales went up. Like, previously, we showed them as, like, you know, these very glamorous shots. And when we started making it dirty, it started selling better. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great insight to take. And and so, to your point also, I mean, um, uh, other ways of getting at research and data around how to message people better. Of course, there's your analytics. Which pages are people going to? What is their path? You know, if they go, like, how many people leave your homepage? How many people go to another page? And which pages do they go to? Those are all of these kinds of things that I would like to assimilate. And of course, survey data is great, too. Um, So, for instance, one of my clients sells a software product And one of the most important survey questions we can ask their customers after they buy is if they bought, there's a monthly plan and an annual plan and you save a percentage in the annual plan. Uh, One of the most important questions is, since you bought the annual plan, we're curious, why? Uh, And that will tell us how to message around the annual plan if you want to optimize for sales for the annual plan. So there's all kinds of things you can do that are really, really simple. And, you know, they they don't have to be overly complicated, but they're going to give you information that you need. But as far as photos, copy, anything that you're doing around conversion rate optimization, the best thing you can do is first identify what your goal is and what you're trying to optimize. And then the second thing is to go out and collect some data to back it up and then try it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, So, okay, let's talk about testing a theory. The way we've been doing that um, is, you know, you build, like let's say it's an e-commerce store, so you build a separate landing page. Um, maybe that's like a, you know, a, a fancy sales page. Um, and you want to see how people, uh, who land on that page, how they react to it. Or, um, you know, we build like a duplicate product page, send people to that, um, and have different messaging on that and then see which one sells more and use Facebook ads to drive traffic. Oftentimes we'll do it through retargeting so that we know we've got like qualified, um, visitors to, to see which one performs better. Yeah, that's exactly what we're doing too. So, you know, the best tests, um, let's say you're testing copy. The best thing to do first, if you're not sure if your main message is resonating, is to test the headline. So that means keeping everything on the page the same. Don't go, I see this often, people will go in and say, you know, I don't really like the design of my page. I'm going to change all of the messaging and all of the design and then test that against my existing landing page, what we call the control. Um, that's a mistake because then you're not going to know which part of it is working or why. So the more you can isolate, 
Um, of course, that means you have to have a decent amount of traffic and that you're at least somewhat patient. But the more you can isolate your hypothesis, uh, the better off. So, you know, perfect test for us is to either just, um, you know, keep the design the same always and either just test the headline or test a new primary message throughout the page. And that's going to give us the, um, the best results. And we're going to know exactly what worked and why that way. And it's so easy and no one does it. Like, yeah, you know, is there's anything a, we've talked about hard? No, it's definitely not. They're, one of my favorite uh, tests that I've ever read about was on AWeber's homepage. AWeber, in case um, you don't know, is an email service provider. And what they did was um, changed a button just by adding the word now to it uh, on their homepage. And that increased paid trial signups by 11%. Uh, so it's amazing what you can do by just tweaking your copy a little bit. You know, I've seen it over and over and over again where, you know, you can set up a test in five, 10 minutes, maybe an hour if you're going to be a little bit more complicated, um, and get results within a week or two and get a sense of what's working for people. Well, and here's, yeah. And that brings up another point. Like a lot of people, you know, are aware of testing, want to test, but think it comes down to just like, you know, making random guesses and seeing what works. And it's like, no, just go. The people who are already giving you money, go ask them why they gave you money, please. And nobody does exactly. it. Like I would have to like, you know, I've um, like the clients who have done it with us have been very successful as a result. And probably formally um, in the last three months, uh, three clients have done it. And it's like, it's so easy. Just send a survey. You don't even have to pay me to do it. You go send the survey. And like the data you get out of it's, in, you know, it's interesting, is at the very least is interesting. Um, and you, like the tools to do it are free. You've got like newsletter services free. A survey tool is free. This isn't hard. Totally. Uh, it's so easy. And the bottom line is even if you're doing a test um, and it doesn't win, if you set it up with a goal in mind first and you were testing either a message or a new design or something like that where you had a theory behind it, you'll know, you're going to learn um, why that worked or didn't work. So even in a losing scenario, what I say is our goal is always to learn something. So win, lose, or draw, we're going to find out more after the test than we know today. And if you set up the test properly, then you're going to have that kind of result and that's worth your time as a business owner. The more you can know, the better off you're going to be, particularly as you think about selling a new watch band or coming up with a new payment plan for clients or coming up with a new product or whatever it is. Um, you're going to know so much more by doing a few well-placed tests. Yeah, absolutely. Um, important on an e-commerce site are product reviews, right? And yes. um, so for doing product reviews, the two best apps to do it for us um, in the Shopify universe are Shopify's free one product reviews app, uh, underrated and good. And for premium apps, Yatpo. Yatpo is fantastic. Um, if not a little pricey, but you know, I don't know about the Shopify re reviews app, but I know in Yatpo, you can edit the, um, the survey email you send to people for the reviews. Is there a way to get people to, you know, lead people on the path to write more powerful, um, reviews, you know, to try and edge them toward making reviews that are sound more like testimonials for the product, as opposed to like, I bought it. Shipping was fast. This product rocks. Bye. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I haven't actually used Yacht Post, so I don't know how it's constructed on the back end. But when I'm asking for 
a testimonial or a review or a review from someone, one of the critical elements, of course, is to understand um, why they might not have bought or what some of their objections were going in. Um, and so, you know, typically when I'm asking for a testimonial, I'll prompt people and just ask them one, two, three questions, something like that. And one of them is always, why, um, what was your objection to buying or, or why did you almost not buy? Um, and then what surprised you about your experience after you bought and would you recommend this product? So those three questions are going to give you the most rich testimonials without adding a ton of extra work. And, um, you know, to state the obvious here, as you said, if you don't send surveys or prompt people to review your product, they probably won't. Uh, Amazon does it really, really well. They ask you, I don't know, three days, seven days after I buy something, I get an ask to review a product, particularly if it has less reviews than other products in the same category. That's going to be by far the most important thing. But to get those rich testimonials, you have to prompt people a little bit. Um, and so another thing you can do is put in a um, sort of placeholder text that shows what a great testimonial would look like. And also, if you have a particular length in mind, I would prompt people to say, you know, a great response here is three to five sentences or it's, you know, a hundred words or whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Um, but without those kinds of prompts, people aren't going to know what to do. And um, what I found is the more we tell people what we want, the more likely they are to give it to us. Uh, and they're not going to feel uh, pressured by that. Actually, it's really comforting to know what other people want because then it takes all the guesswork out of it for us. Yeah. So I don't be, be hesitant. You know, I used to be weird about surveys. I'd leave them very open-ended, like for client testimonials. Um, and so then I started doing, like, I'd wait till they said something that sounded like a good testimonial, and then I'd rewrite it into a testimonial and say, hey, could you write this test, like, post this testimonial for me? You know, write whatever you want, or I actually took what you said, and here you go. Um, and that worked very well. And then I switched to doing a survey where I would then string um, the survey answers together to make one awesome testimonial. And the, I get, I do the same thing. The first question is, um, and I think I got this from copy hackers. What was your concern before, um, working with us mm -hmm. and what happened as a result? And like though, just those two alone are going to give you a great, um, a great answer. Yeah. And there's a great template also in, uh, Sean D'Souza's the brain audit. He has I a, love that book. Everybody should yeah, read it. It's like awesome common sense, uh, marketing and messaging advice. Um, but yeah, there's a great template in there. And so I do the same thing. I send out a Wufu survey, uh, yeah. and then people fill it out and I let them know at the end, Hey, now that you've answered all these questions and you know what I'm looking for, feel free to write a, a testimonial or I'll put it together for you and send it back for your approval. And 99.9% .9 of the time they're going to say, you just do it. I trust you. Uh, oh, so yeah, then you, exactly. get, you get exactly what you're looking for whenever you do that. Yeah. No, that's good stuff. Okay. So do you have just off-the-cuff general copywriting tips for e-commerce store owners? Yeah, so the first is to, um, <laughs> I would say, make your product descriptions interesting. Uh, if you're selling a commodity and your product description is only descriptive of the features of the product, uh, why would someone buy it from you versus someone else? So that's something you're, that's an open-ended question, but you're going to have to answer it. Um, so typically, you know, I see copy on sites like woot.com, if you're familiar with them, or of course, Groupon famously hired a bunch of 
um, failing stand-up comedians to write their copy. And um, as a result, they get a lot more buyers because it's an interesting read. If nothing else, you're holding the person's attention. So that would be one. Also on the homepage, one of the things that I most commonly see people getting wrong is not having copy that's really clear in exchange for what they think is you know, artsy or sounds like prose or is really interesting to read. So and it just, just ends being, up being vague. Yeah, exactly. And you read it and you go, I don't know what that's about. So I'm going to leave and probably never come back. So you never want someone to say that you want them to at least know exactly what it is that you're selling. Um, and also I would say focus on the overall benefit to the person. So, um, for the watch bands, of course, a feature is, they're durable. Um, they're a replacement watch band. You can have different sort of uh, uh, looks, right? You can you can fairly cheaply replace your your standard band that comes with the watch and match it up with your outfit or whatever. But the benefit really is, you know, you can wear it in the rain. You can jog with your Rolex on now. Um, so those are the kinds of things that you're going to want to message around. Um, more than just the features, and that's another big mistake I see people making with their e-com copy. Yeah, well, absolutely. So we, you know, with um, in our Google AdWords campaign, um, it makes it very easy. In a Google AdWords campaign, it's very easy to test messaging, or with a Facebook ad campaign, based on click-through rates. So you just try your different headlines as ad copy um, in ads and see what gets the highest click-through rate, um, and that'll work pretty well. And, uh, yeah, with Everest Bands, they had, like, when we started, they had... Um, and I won't lay blame. Maybe I wrote it. Maybe they wrote it. Let's not say. They had like ridiculous stuff like the essence is reinvigorated, like meaningless things. Right. Um, and then we changed it to like, you know, we tried a bunch of stuff. The best performing ones were um, customize your Rolex, which could not be more simple because it's incredibly clear. And um, I think the other one was like sporty meets luxury. Um, you know, it just was, and then we had a picture implying an active lifestyle and like that, those two were the the winners. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, And and it's simple. It's plain. They're three word, three word headlines. Like you couldn't get simpler than those. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And simple often wins. Um, so especially if it's a product that people are familiar with, like everybody knows what a watch band is. You don't need to go out of your way to explain it and right. give people a million features and benefits. They just need to see that it's quality um, and that it's hitting the main benefits that they want. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Liston. Um, this has been enlightening and validating for me, you know, because I feel like a lot of the things you know and take for granted, I kind of stumbled on. Um, but yeah, I, I got a lot out of this. Um, what's uh, Where can people go to learn more about you, get more of your your advice? Sure. So they can go to my website, goodfunnel.co. Of course, I invite anybody listening to this podcast to email me directly. And you can email me at liston at goodfunnel.co. That's L-I-S-T-O-N. If you visit my website, there's an uh, email course there that's free to sign up. And you'll start getting some, uh, some of the advice that I've mentioned here and more than that. So I welcome you to uh, sign up and get a, get a hold of me. No problem. I'm, I'm going to sign up right now. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this was great. Thank you. Uh, thanks for doing the show with me. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. 